Welcome back to Young Smart Money, show number 18 with me, your host, Apple Kreider, the show where we bring on young people who are doing really cool stuff financially, entrepreneurially. We interview them on basically their journey, how they got to where they are today, and what sort of tips and tricks they can give to you. If you are out here thinking you might want to start a business, thinking you might want to get into investing or taking your finances a little more seriously, this is the place for you. So I'm glad to have you here. Today, we've got Shanna Bell on the show from Adaptive Nourishment, and she's going to be talking about food and finances, specifically on college campuses, and really all about her experience with food, because it's been a very, very interesting experience. She's gone through a lot of things, both food-related and financially related, that, that I'm really excited to talk to her about, and we had a great conversation, so I'm really I'm really stoked to share it with you guys. Um, so we're going to talk about side hustles, we're going to talk about finding that extra income to, to put good food into your body, and why that's important, and just basically the whole big picture of food and finances for young people. So without further ado, we're just going to hop right into the show and welcome Shanna to the podcast. Uh, Shanna, could you just introduce yourself a bit, tell the audience a bit about yourself, sort of like what stage of life you're in, where you're from, just sort of what you're up to in general. All that good stuff. Yeah. I can oh, do. yeah. Um, okay. I am 39, so late 30s, but, all right. I have, um, but I have, my oldest is 13 and I can still take him, so that's all that matters in my book. <laughs> I can still kick his butt. Um, so <laughs> um, I'm originally from Santa Barbara, California. Okay. Um, I lived in California until I was early teenage years, and then my uh, parents moved us to North Carolina, so I live in Raleigh. Um, nice. Cost of living here is a lot cheaper, and we have seasons, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, awesome, but horrible, because there's humidity out here, which I don't like. Ooh. Yeah, but that's a lot. A lot of Californians and New Yorkers and New Jerseyans move move here because the cost of living is so much cheaper. Um, so um, it's a good place to raise kids. I have cool. uh, my partner and I have five kids. We're Dang. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> We're a blended family, so I was um, married before, and so was he. Two were from my first marriage, three were from his. We have none together because five is sufficient. I would um, say so. Yeah, no mas, no mas on that. So um, the age, the ranges are from six to thirteen. Um, hey. wow. So I mean, pretty cool. Some days are awesome, and then there are some days that are just hairy. So <laughs> it is what it is. It's life. Um, so I, um, I got into, I'm actually technically a holistic health advisor. I have a master's degree um, in nutrition. Okay. Um, and then I also, I do a lot of things. So um, <laughs> I, uh, but I like it that way. I actually have a book getting ready to come out. That's about that, um, okay. which may be very good for your audience. Um, so All right. to get into that. I'm a freelance writer. I write primarily in the food and finance space. Okay. Um, but I also am a real estate investor and I write on bigger pockets. So I do a lot of oh, real estate. Oh, I love yeah. bigger pockets. I used to listen to them all the time. I'm actually yeah, in like so a spin off group of theirs. I haven't been yet, but I do write, I do do some writing for them. I actually. Oh, that's wild. Them. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I own another business with a co partner of mine in the finance space, um, Kayla oh Sloan. We own one called Cashwise X Wives, which is probably not really geared towards your audience as much, but I think we're actually going to mm -hmm. talk about that from a different perspective. Uh, we we are keeping divorce from killing your finances. Um, Dang. Okay. Okay. Divorce. Mine's with kids. Hers was in college. So, um, anyway, that's a that's a topic for another day. Um, yeah. But so that's what I do. I got into food um, because I was one of the early children diagnosed with celiac disease in 1986. Mm. Um, and so I grew up with celiac when nobody knew what it was. Gluten-free oh. food was not a thing. Nobody yeah. knew Nobody knew what celiac was. They didn't know what gluten was. I had a hard time explaining what wheat was. It just wasn't a thing. <laughs> um, and so food's always been a part of my life. And so have finances because finding alternative foods 
um, then especially, but and it's gotten better in the last maybe eight to 10 years, mm-hmm. probably more so the last five, but it's always been much more expensive for yeah. me to eat. Um, so finance has always been a big part of my life. So they just have kind of always been part of me. So it made sense that I do something in that. Um, and so when I was in, um, grad school, I tried to help people a lot with, um, the finance aspect. And I took Mm -hmm. a couple of classes in my nutrition degree, but it was teaching people how to deal with the financial aspect because a lot of college students haven't been taught how to handle finances and how it relates to food and how exactly. you can still eat good food or food that's nutrient dense and healthy for you. Um, and it still doesn't have to cost a ton of money. And there are plenty of resources that most people have no idea about. So, yep. um, so I kind of got into that in grad school just cause it's a passion of mine. Um, and that's I, awesome. uh, so I actually went to grad school mm-hmm. because my children's pediatrician, when I got divorced, I ended up on food stamps, which was horrible for me and very um because I've always been really independent and Mm. then when I got divorced my ex-husband wasn't paying child support I had two kids I had a mortgage and I wasn't really working because I'd stayed home with them and just you know life was falling apart yeah Um, and I ended up on food stamps and um, my kids were on Medicaid and we never get sick like I, I don't remember the last time I've been sick um I eat really well and I I'm not an exercise guru but I make sure I exercise enough for my body Um, and my children's pediatrician said that, um, you know, she said, you know, you guys, we never see you in here. Your kids are always well. I only see them for the well visit once a year Mm -hmm. and you guys run on Medicaid and food stamps. And she said, you need to go to school so that you can teach other people how to do this on a budget because most Mm -hmm. people just don't know how to do it. Yeah. So she's actually the reason I went to grad school to get my master's. So cool. Yeah. So. Wow. um, that's how I ended up where I am now. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot to talk about. And I'm super yeah. stoked to, to sort of dive into this. Yeah. So the first aspect that I sort of want to hit on was adaptive nourishment. So could you just sort of run us through that? Is that sort of like your um, mixture of food and finance? Is that sort of what you're doing there? Um, yeah. Um, that's where I work primarily. Um, I work one-on-one usually with um, with people who have different health issues and more often than not they're on different medications they have multiple doctors they have multiple diagnoses and they aren't getting better and they don't know what to eat or they've come from one of the doctors that i work with which is usually integrative functional um integrative or functional medicine doctors for the most naturopaths um and they you know have had tests run and they know what they've got now they know what's going on Mm -hmm. and they said okay well so this is what you need to stay away from and they have no idea what to eat they don't Mm. know um, mm. and so they freak out and they freeze. And so that's where I come in because I end up, I create like a very in-depth list of foods they can eat. So I don't give mm. them a can't list. I give them a can list. Mm. And I create custom recipes for them for uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And then we touch base every week to see how they're doing and see what we need to tweak and see what they're having a hard time with and how they're doing with their progress. That's so, so cool. That is yeah. like such a such an interesting like business that I've never heard of anybody doing anything like that before. So I'm just like blown away. And yeah, I love it. I love it. So I don't get I don't usually get people with just one thing. Like they come to me when they're at their wits end. <laughs> I bet. I I mean I bet there's there's people out there who are who are suffering from like so many different things and just have nowhere to turn. So that's that's amazing that you're there to be a resource for those people who yeah. who are at wits end and who don't know like where to go. 
Um, so how do you how do you get clients for that business? I mean, you said you work with like some doctors, but do you put mm -hmm. out content? Do you do you blog? Um, how do you sort of get your name out there and, and get people who need this resource to you? Yeah, I do. Um, I do have a blog on my website. Okay. Uh, that nourishment. So I, I write about different things in the food, food and finance space um, there. And then I freelance right in other places as well. So I'm also in quite a few different groups. Um, and like, I'm getting ready to go to FinCon, which I think you're going to. We're that actually I am. out there <laughs> um, in a few weeks, I think it's coming up. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, time flies. <laughs> it's going to be December before we know it. Oh, so, man. Um, yeah, so I'm in a few different different groups um, that know kind of what I do. So I mean, okay. I, I don't I haven't done any Facebook ads. Like I don't really put I don't really put advertising out there besides my blog. Mm -hmm. um, and information there. And it, most of my stuff is via referral. It's kind of all Dang. That's really cool that your business runs basically on content and, and word of mouth. I mean, that's like, that's the ideal scenario to be in because your ad budget is just your networking budget um, at that point, which is well, awesome. Cost money. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, like FinCon isn't free, they're but, but, free. No. <laughs> but they're, at least for me, they're enjoyable. Like oh, being yeah, able to, to advertise yeah. in a way that's fun instead of just like paying money to Facebook for them to advertise you. Like yeah. I would much rather spend that money going to an event like FinCon or some other kind of conference. I agree. Um, I agree. So for me, I just, there were, I found the referrals always work better for me, but just because the people know, people who referred to me know what I'm doing. They know what yeah. I do and they know what my capabilities are and they, you know, they know if their friends or family have already tried every flipping thing and cannot get it figured out. Like you need to talk to her. Yeah, exactly. And having that credibility of coming from somebody that you actually know, that's just so, so powerful. Yeah. There's something to be said for referrals. I just, yeah. that's my preference. I that completely, at some point I won't necessarily maybe do some sort of advertising. It's just not my thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, if you can sustain your business right now on, on just referrals, like that's, that's, I mean, that's a fine way to go in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I don't try to work with too many clients at once because it can be it's very in depth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we gotta go. We deep. have like a call once a week, but I'm basically available via email or text. You know, mm. people will contact me when they're at the grocery store because yeah. that's my that's my my goal is to help them get better and try to do it semi cost effectively as well, depending on you know what what it is they can eat. Mm. Um, but you know, I I need to be available, so I can't yeah. be available for fifty different clients in a month. I can't do that. Um, yeah, no, that just not, that's yeah. not my business model. Uh, you're Spreading yourself too thin at that yeah, point. Exactly. So, all right. So, um, I you said diagnosed with celiacs or, or you know, sort of. Um, could you talk with that? Because I mean, like you said, uh, people didn't know what what celiac celiac meant, what what gluten was. Even some people didn't know what wheat was. So, yeah. I'd be interested to hear more about that experience for you and how you sort of how how you worked either with your family or, or sort of on your own to, to uh, like get by and, and figure that out. Yeah. Um, it was difficult on my, on my parents, that's for sure. But it was the better of the three diagnoses that I had received when I was dying. Um, cause the other ones were cystic fibrosis or, um, leukemia. So out of the Jeez. three, I'll take celiac all day long. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. Um, I was lucky because I grew up near the LA area and there happened to be a set of doctors there that knew what celiac was. So oh. once they got to me, they ran, which is different now. Doctors are kinder, but at the time they did biopsies while you were awake. So that mm -hmm. was good times. Um, so they ran, a, they had to do an intestinal biopsy 
while I was awake. Um, that's something that will scar a child. I still remember how the room looks. Yeah. For about three hours because they couldn't get it down my throat because I kept choking it back up. Oh. Um, now they put you to sleep because they're nice. <laughs> they didn't do that then. Um, Can't even imagine. <laughs> yay oh. <for> the 80s. <laughs> yes. um, but when I got diagnosed, they sat us down in this big room, my parents and I, and they said, this is what you, this is what she has. And you have to follow um, a gluten-free diet. You have to avoid gliden and you have to avoid at the time it was wheat, rye, oats, barley, and millet. Those were the, I remember those because almost my whole life, those were the five I had to have in my head. Mm. Um, now it's different. Now they've just, now they figured out millet doesn't have gluten in it. Um, it took me quite a few years to be okay with trying millet because I was afraid of it because I had yeah. gone my whole life saying I couldn't have it. Um, but, um, we just didn't, I lived on rice cakes a lot. So we basically mm. avoided most grains, um, for me. And I grew up eating like rice cakes with peanut butter and raisins on top. Oh, that was an um, essential in middle school. That was my go-to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't really have the flavored rice cakes when I mm. first got it. So it was just the ones that taste like cardboard. <laughs> That's a bummer. It's a bit of a yeah. bummer. <laughs> yeah. Then they, I remember they got the white, uh, white shot or was it the white cheddar, white cheddar and then the mm. caramel. Yes. Um, and oh, those yes. were awesome. Not great with peanut butter, but they were awesome. Not quite. So, um, it was just something else for me to have. So I lived on those for a long time. Um, I do remember when flying, which, you know, now you don't really get food when flying, but when flying, they didn't know what a, you know, you could call ahead of time to request your, a special meal. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what, they didn't know what celiac was. They didn't know what gluten was. So I remember every time I flew, they would give me a special meal. And it was always a banana with a little packet of peanut butter and a dry rice cake with butter. Cause I was supposed <laughs> to put the butter on the rice cake. <laughs> oh, so, wow. So, um, I've kind of always carried food around like a homeless person. <laughs> um, still, I still do now cause my son has celiac and because inevitably children are always hungry. As soon as you leave the house, it doesn't matter if you just fed them. They always yep. want to eat something. So I, always I mean, that's me food. too. I'm 19 years old, but I'm still hungry all the time. Oh, yeah. You're still growing. <laughs> Um, and our 13 year old boys eat all the time. I'm like, you got to stop, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I still carry food. I always do. If homeless people hit me up for money, I'll give them a bar. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way to go. Food. That's like, what my yeah. whole family does. Like we just carry on granola bars and anytime, like we just mm -hmm. toss those out. Yeah. Yeah. I carry around. So, um, my mom found a recipe cause I couldn't have, you know, sweets or cookies and that when I got diagnosed, I was in the brownies, which is the younger mm -hmm. version of the girl scouts. Yeah. Um, that was like a, it was a traumatic experience for me because nobody knew what was wrong with me. And then mm. when I came back from being diagnosed, I couldn't have any of the, the Girl Scout cookies anymore. Well, that's like taboo. Yeah. Um, and I kind of became ostracized. And so I ended up dropping out of the brownies. Dang. Um, wow. Yeah. So they kind of thought like I had a, you know, a communicable disease because oh. I couldn't eat any of the stuff they were eating anymore. And since you know, nobody knew what it was. They didn't know what was wrong with me. So they kind of just, you know, ostracized me, um, Jeez. you know, which girls, you, I mean, you're a boy, so you're different. <laughs> you're yeah. Girls are kind of mean anyways. <laughs> they just are. I know this, even having, you know, two girls as children, they're, they're kind of mean. Um, so, uh, my mom tried to figure out a recipe for me and she was trying to look through her stuff and she actually created this awesome peanut butter cookie recipe with three ingredients which when i owned the first gluten-free bakery here in this area that was one of my best sellers um, it's just peanut butter uh egg whites and sugar that's it it's all it's in it wow yeah that was awesome Genius. she put little chocolate chips on the top for me um, <laughs> that i 
had something to, to eat and that's like birthday parties or whatever. So um, that was very kind of her. But I mean, other than that, they just didn't really, I mean, gluten-free grain, like, you know, gluten-free flour mixes wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, I did get to try the first, like, they didn't call it gluten-free bread. They called it wheat-free bread and it, it was um, always frozen mm -hmm. and it was, it would fall apart everywhere. Perfect. Or, I mean, it just tasted like sawdust. That um, sounds like an ideal, ideal substitute for bread. I feel like that just fills like in very perfectly. So <laughs> you just like end up with it all over your clothes. <laughs> so, you know, when people complain about gluten-free stuff now, I, I just like, I try, I'm trying not to laugh because <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea. I now can have gluten-free beer. I couldn't have beer in college. I went mm. college. No beer, no pizza, no ramen. That wasn't mm. a <laughs> Don't think you missed out much on the on the ramen. On the, probably not. They now make gluten free ramen. I'm not a fan because I'm low sodium, so it's basically just a lot of salt and noodles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can do better. So, um, but I'm not knocking it. If you want to eat that, as a college student, rock on. Yeah. Um, but the food's become a lot cheaper and it's become a lot better. So I'm excited about where that's gone. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot much larger population of people following a gluten free diet, whether they have celiac or not. Mm -hmm expensive very very true yeah. that's yeah okay um so so now i sort of want to pivot to, to college campuses in particular uh with regard to, to food insecurity um so how how much you said you said you do a little bit of this um with with college campuses and food insecurity mm -hmm. um can you talk a bit on on this issue in general and then more specifically what you're actually doing um with with college students and and, and college campuses yeah um, I was, uh, which I can give you the link for this webinar. I was in a webinar with Inceptia back mm -hmm. in April, April, I think. Um, and there oh. were three of us um, on the panel. Um, so I was the one talking about uh, nutrition and um, how to how to basically make it work as a college student with little to no money. And then yeah. I also put some of my really good, cheap, easy, quick nutrient dense recipes um, on there, which I'm more than happy to share with your um with your listeners as well. Yeah, I'd love to toss those in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, and then um, I also could put the link for the webinar because it's a free webinar. So you can cool. click and listen to the whole webinar, which is cool. And they have a whole slideshow. Awesome. Um, and so the other two people I was working with, um, one, um, she works for, I think it's called Hope. They do um, studies about different uh, different college campuses. And they, I think they probably do more than that. So don't quote me on that. But All right. um, they... Um, and then the other person uh, is at the uh, University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and mm -hmm. she created the food pantry there. It's called Huskers oh. Helping Huskers. So yeah, it was really cool. Um, and so they're talking about food pantries and how to how other campuses can try to mimic the model they've created and how they've made it work and the hiccups that they went through to try and get to where they are. I think they're in their second year now. Um, oh. And so when I was in college, food pantries on college campuses weren't a thing. Now mm. it's kind of becoming more it's still not regular but you'll see them more often which yeah. is great because it is geared towards college students that are food insecure and or yeah. housing insecure um and based on the um the most recent study that um hope did mm -hmm. um i think they said this year there were 36 percent of university students are food insecure and 42 percent of community college students are food insecure Wow. That's a pretty decent percentage. Yeah. That's, that's a it's lot bigger high. than I would have thought. Yeah. It's pretty high. Um, unfortunately. And so then, you know, if you're food insecure, you just, you know, you don't know 
where to get your food. I mean, you don't know what to do. So a lot of times you're eating the junky stuff like the ramen. Yeah. Um, and you know, where I come in is I always say it's better to spend a little bit more money, although you can still do it on a budget. Um, mm-hmm. cause I did it on a budget, um, with children who eat everything. Um, <laughs> But you can still do it on a budget and get food that's more nutrient dense because food that is more nutrient dense will help you feel full last, will help you feel full longer. Yeah. So you don't eat as much food as you exactly. would the potato chips and the ramen because it doesn't satiate you for very long. So then you have to eat more food. Yeah. So if you're really looking at the cost, it costs you more money to do that. And then also the, the health aspects of it. If you're eating food that's not as nutrient dense, you have a tendency to be ill more. So if you're trying to work, mm. you know, you'll miss work days, which then you lose money. If you miss work days, yep. um, you could be missing class because you're sick. I'm not saying just food itself is the only thing that will help, but if you no, but... the foods you're eating to more nutrient dense foods, it affects every aspect of your life. Absolutely. Like there's so many, there's so many costs besides just like how much does this one thing that I'm buying cost right now? Yes. Um, like, like long-term and even just like, if you're eating empty carbs, like you said, that's not going to keep you full for as long as if you would have eaten like a, a nutrient dense meal. So, so that's, I mean, that's, that's really big. And, and yeah, so I think I've, I'll, like me, me, myself included, like a lot of people just look at like the price tag of, of today rather than like the long-term like cost of, of, of my behavior. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. So there's quite a few things you can, you know, you can keep in stock that are, you know, more nutrient dense um, and that don't, don't cost a whole lot of money to make, you know, rice and beans. And a lot of people hate, you know, like, oh God, rice and beans, <laughs> beans and pasta, whether you like it or not, that you can do a whole lot of stuff with rice, beans, and pasta. Yeah. Get some <laughs> sauces going on and you're meals, good to go. You can get them on sale. And <laughs> yep. I mean, it's, and it's, if you get the bagged rice, you know, the dry rice and you get the dry beans. I mean, depending on where you live, it can cost you little to no money to make that. Throw some yeah. spices in there. Spices are important. Spices are not only important for changing up your meal so that you don't have that boredom because when mm-hmm. you get bored, that's when they start looking for other stuff to eat. Yep. So you don't have the boredom, but different spices also help um, your health at different levels because they all do different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's another perk of spices. Um, yeah. And I mean, just so, keeping it simple, I mean, can yeah. be a can be a great way to go. Like it doesn't have to be super complicated. No. Feel like a lot of college students just get intimidated by like making their own food. So they just end up not when, when in reality it can be the cheaper option and it can be, can be fun. Like I have a lot of fun cooking and it's like a community activity in, in the apartment that I live in. So I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said about cooking in college and, and oh, yeah. yeah, it can be an event like that. Yeah. I, I know we're, we're older, but mm-hmm. even, even when, um, I mean, we still do it now, but even when we were younger, you know, a lot of the stuff I like to do is get together with, you know, friends and like come over to somebody's apartment and everyone just kind of brings some stuff and we just kind of see what people brought and, yeah. and get creative. We're like, all right, what are we going to make? Let's see. Exactly. Like, it's, it's fun. I forget when one of my friends calls it. It's some sort of show where it's like a surprise what your ingredients are. I'm Chopped sure. or Iron Chef? Maybe? Chopped. That's it. That's Chopped. It. Yeah. All right. Um, but you just, you get to kind of make it up. That doesn't mean it's always the best ever, but you're like, let's just see. Everybody bring one thing and let's just yeah. see. Let's just see what we come up with. And like, you come up with some awesome stuff. I'm saying that's where the best <laughs> recipes come from. So, I mean, it'd be some, it's something fun to do and you don't, you spend less money than you do going out to a bar. Yeah. Um, oh, by far, dude. Yeah. By far. I know bars can get so expensive. I'm not saying don't go. Cause I like going out every now and then. But, yeah. Oh my God. It's so expensive. Just be smart. Like make, make yeah. good choices. Make good um, choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so now that we covered sort of like just food insecurity, um, I want to hear more about your personal experience of, of 
being in grad school with two kids and and just like how you how you made that work because it, we had an earlier conversation where you mentioned that you had nine jobs at one point yeah. and i think that's just ridiculous and i definitely <laughs> want to hear a lot more about sort of like that experience for you and how how you were able to make that work because i know a lot of people if they were in that situation they they would have no idea what to do um so i would definitely love to hear about your experience on that uh yeah um i think this for me this is one of those things that's kind of always set me apart or just made me different i'm not saying yeah. that worse. Um, when I was in high school, people called me the Jamaican, although I'm obviously nowhere near that skin <laughs> um, at all. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if I identify with that terminology, but that's, I still get that. I still get called that sometimes. Maybe that's what I should call the book because I'm trying to work on names for it right mm. now. Maybe I should just call it the Jamaican. Um, but I think some people might get offended. So um, <laughs> I've always had multiple jobs or multiple, now they call it multiple streams of income or side yeah. hustles. Yep. Um, even though usually I would have one that was a full-time job and then I'd have multiple other ones on the mm -hmm. side. Um, I've always liked it that way for me just because um, it lends more for flexibility, which yep. is which is important to me. That's a driving factor for me. And everyone has different things that drive them. But for me, flexibility has always been an important factor. Mm. Um, although I have done the corporate thing sometimes, it just doesn't jive with me so mm. well. Um, because of the structure is too structured. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Um, and as an entrepreneur, I have a tendency to think outside the box. And I'm a yep. and I don't do well when I'm stuck in just a very small prescribed I get bored. <laughs> I, yep. I completely can relate with you on that, like on a very like high level. <laughs> yeah. I just, that does not resonate with me at all. And if nope. it resonates with you, rock on. Yeah. Good for you. That's great. Exactly. Not for me. Um, you got to end up doing what works with you. Yep. So um, when I was in, when I decided to go back to grad school, I was a single parent. Um, and I applied for as many grants and scholarships as I could find, which mm. this is a this is something that I was told I was told before I went back to grad school and I was taking the GRE that um, you know there are plenty of grants and scholarships for single parents. Mm -hmm. uh, I found that to not be true. I feel like mm. that's more floating around. Um, and I did. I looked everywhere. I like. I made a list. I think I still have a spreadsheet, although they may not be applicable now because I yeah. went to grad school in 2013. But um, I made a list of every single one that I might qualify for, and I applied for every single flipping one of them. Every wow. single one of them. Most wow. of them required some sort of paper that may have been mm -hmm. a page or two. And as a writer, that's cake. I can pull that out in like yeah. an hour. Um, so I applied for all of them. I got a few of them and some mm -hmm. I never got responses on. I mean, the chances of getting all of them are pretty much zero, but yeah. I got some of them. And so it covered the ones I got covered, uh, a little over 50% of my costs. Okay. Um, so I had to take out student loans for the rest, which I wasn't happy about. And I was trying to pay those off as I went and I did mm -hmm. pay off. Now they're, now they're paid off altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, that's a, that was just, that was difficult for me to yeah. do from a cost perspective because I had no money. Um, so I was at the time, okay, I was in catering because I've been in the food industry for a long time. Mm, okay. whole waiting tables, bartending, yep. cocktailing. Been there, um, been there. I somehow ended up in catering through a friend um, because I have background bartending. They're like, oh, we need a catering bartender. I was like, that can't be too difficult. And it's not, but you have to be creative because you have no idea what alcohol you're getting most of the time until mm. you show up to the event. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it is not a full bar. Um, I worked a wedding once where it was all just, um, oh God, what's that cinnamon liquor? 
Fireball? Yes. The whole <laughs> That's all the liquor they brought was Fireball. <laughs> and I said, what am I supposed to do with this? And they said, this is what the bride and groom paid for. This is all I have. And I said, this must be their favorite drink. But the wedding's like 250 people. I can assure you, not everybody likes Fireball. Yeah. Now, that's what I got to work with. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I had, I had to get creative. I made up a drink with cranberry juice and Sprite and Fireball. And the older people <laughs> liked it. I was, huh. I, mean, I, I was like, okay, what do I have to work with? That's where problem solving comes into play. I, I got to figure something out because not everybody likes Fireball. <laughs> um, so... Note to your audience, when you're getting married, I get if it's your favorite alcohol, but make sure that you bring something for the other guests that may not <laughs> like Fireball. <laughs> I think that's um, a good life lesson right there. It's a good life lesson. It is about you, but it's not totally about you. Yeah. Um, so um, I ended up doing catering, but I was catering for, let's see, one, two. I was catering for two different company, two different companies. And then I was also, I somehow fell into working at a five-star hotel. Oh, um, And I was working there in two different departments. One was in their banquets department. I was the um, the bartender for banquets. So basically okay. it was the same thing, just upper scale. And then I worked in their in-room dining department, which was a whole different experience for me because I've A, never gone to a five-star hotel. Now I've worked yeah. Because um, <laughs> that's just not really my my speed. Mm -hmm. um, but then I got to see how in-room dining works and it opened mm. my eyes a lot to that part of the service industry, which I had no experience about before. Mm. Um, I cleaned houses. Um, yep. I worked at the science museum in two, two different capacities. Yeah. In special exhibits and in special events. I still contract for special events because they're fun. Hmm. Um, actually, I'm getting ready to contract for Bugfest next weekend, which is oh, one of the largest exciting. bug festivals, I think, in the world. So if, wow. you, if you're ever in the Raleigh area, the third September, third Saturday of September is always Bugfest. It's huge. Um, All right. And they have cooking contests where like chefs come in from different parts of the country and come up with a bug dish and you get to try it. And yeah, Weird. it's weird. Um, anyway, it's it's a lot of fun. I like it. I did my <laughs> my masters at the science museum in their living collections department with the uh, animals so Whoa. yeah um that was unpaid because <laughs> it, was but, an internship. I mean, it sounds fun it was i was helping um helping them with four different species that had issues with um tumors mm. um try to get that reversed so i changed the diets um and it's worked actually um wow. i haven't had an issue with it anymore so um so let's see what else. Uh, I worked for an interior designer, which is my mother. I've worked for her since the 90s. She won't let me stop. <laughs> it's fine. I like working with her. I do all of her accounting and books and ordering and receiving. And Nice. Um, she have her own business? She does. Mm -hmm. oh. um, we're a family of entrepreneurs. So we Amazing. all <laughs> have our own businesses. Um, so I'm trying to think what else I was doing at the time. Uh, how many is that? I know. I'm trying to think. Sounds like probably nine. I would pro I would say that's I a see. lot. Oh, I did private catering too because people had heard about me. So they would oh. ask me to come cater stuff at their house. Dang. I mean, I wasn't making the food. They would have it. And they would just ask me to set everything up and serve it and then clean it. That was easy. Um, yeah. So that was not bad at all. I feel like I'm missing one or two. <laughs> all right. Well, if they come to you, we'll get to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I think personally, I've, I've had a lot of side hustles. Like I've, I've been a brand ambassador. Um, I, I do some serving. I started a social media marketing agency, do some virtual assistant work. So I, I got a bunch of side hustles as well. And I always, I'm just so passionate about like getting, like you said, different streams of income or, or different jobs or side hustles or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. and I'm super passionate about like telling my friends about that. Like, they're always like, 
how do I make more money? How do I make some quick money? And I'm like, A, not quick, but B, start a side hustle because they're fun and awesome and you can make them fit with whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, so could you talk a little bit on like how, how you would think the best way for a young person to get started with a side hustle is? Figure out what your passion is first. Agree. Or, or <laughs> passions. You could have yeah. multiple. I have multiple passions. And, you know, for me, it's one of those things that different people in my groups, will they try to like pin me down. They're like, you need to niche down. I'm not niching <laughs> down. It's like, it's never going to happen. Nope. I've tried for years. That's just not, I have multiple passions. It's just That's fair. Wired. So, um, you know, if you have, if you have one passion, then work on that, figure mm -hmm. out some sort of aspect with that passion that you can do as a side hustle. And, you know, like you said, it may not be, you know, you may not be making money tomorrow, but yeah, you, know, but you just put the work in to create whatever it is you're wanting to do. If you have a passion for dogs, dog walk. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you, if you have a passion for food, then start, you know, waiting tables or see if you can get into catering or see if you can be a line cook. They're always looking for line cooks. Yeah. I tell you, line cook, good line cooks are hard to find. It's hard work, but if you like food, that's a good way to get into it. I've actually told a couple of high school students I've mentored recently about that because they said, oh, I want to be a chef and go to culinary school. I said, okay, stop. Before you <laughs> do that, because culinary school is expensive. Yeah. And a lot of times the rate of return is not going to be what you think it is. Yep. Um, and to be a chef, incidentally, you don't necessarily have to go to culinary school. So like, nope. Nope. So that's something you have to look at. So if you think you like it, try it first. You're probably yeah. not going to get paid a whole lot as a line cook or as garbage or as whatever it is that you're doing. We're working dish pit. We all have to work dish pit at some point. It's mm -hmm. not pay your dues so you know how it operates yep. um, and you know how to respect the person who has to wash the dishes yep. um, because that's a sucky job I yeah it. it is no bueno I don't yeah, like it I can agree all. with that yeah but you all I mean everybody has to do it sometimes yep but you know if you're thinking about something you want to do then do it first as as a side hustle and see mm -hmm. if you really like it if you really have the passion and then then figure out how to really get into it and try and make more money and make it your yeah own. and i mean if you have the passion then like not making money at the very beginning shouldn't be a big issue because i mean you're just doing something that you enjoy you're just like exactly. doing something as a hobby or like taking a hobby to it to another level so yeah. i think that's big and a lot of people get caught up in like where's the quick money instead of like where is the thing that i'm going to want to do long term that's going to like make me feel fulfilled make me feel good doing it mm -hmm. so that's i mean it's i'm totally like with you on that life's purpose you know like this yeah. is what you're this is what you're here to do whatever that is um and for me personally i've always i've always kind of advocated for doing something that you like in different arenas because mm -hmm. you may like the food aspect and become a line cook at one restaurant i'm just using this <laughs> as an example because i have a big background in food so it makes sense in my brain all right um, but you know you may not necessarily like that work environment or different things about it so yeah start working part-time at another place that maybe is five star, or maybe if you're vegetarian or vegan is vegetarian or vegan and aligns more with your ethics mm -hmm. and work a different position and see if it's, you know, see what aspects of both you like and what you don't like. That's mm. kind of what I'm talking about in my book. And yeah. figure out what it is that you do like about jobs, what skills you like, what skills you have that you bring to the table that can make you more efficient and that make you better at whatever it is that you love and things that you don't like so that you try and do your best to not be in a position where you're, you're having to do a lot of things that you dislike, because that's going to make you unhappy in the long term. Yeah. And you're not a good employee or entrepreneur or whatever. If you're doing a lot of stuff that you hate on a daily basis. I'm so, I'm so with you on that. All right. Let's talk more about this book. Um, when is it coming? Um, and could you just give us like, so was that, was that like the brief breakdown or do you have like a little snippet about like what it's all about? Um, I'm just, I'm interested in the book. 
Yeah, I well, I'm still working on the title. I had okay. a working title, but I've gotten some feedback from some other authors okay. in groups I'm in. And so I actually I put it out to them, uh, I think just yesterday, and I'm trying to get some feedback on a better title for it. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, we'll see. But it's um, I do have a, a publishing house, so it's actually with my editor right now. I met with them last week, and um, he said he loves the style, and he actually nice. actually wanted me to try and um, schedule some stuff on college campuses because according according to them, they think this is a book every college student should have before they graduate. Nice. Um, to get them to kind of think outside of the box a little bit. I'm with you on that. Too many college students staying inside the box. Staying inside the box. Well, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Um, so there's that. But um, so we're trying to get it released in time for the holidays and I guess mm. for winter graduation. Okay. But we'll see. Um, so we'll see. It According to them, it's not going to require a whole lot of editing, um, but we'll <laughs> I don't know. That's so fair. I'm crossing my fingers for that, but I will definitely let you know as soon as I actually have a release date. So cool. in the next few months. Um, and, and this is your first book? This is my second book. My first book is actually a completely different genre that um, oh. was co-authored and it's a children's book. Um, Whoa, wild. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm working on another series of children's book with a different co-author right now. We're working on a series of, I think it's nine, but it's really going to be 27 books. That's wild. Wow. So, yeah. And then I'm going to start, I'm going to start working on another book just for me also. So um, I like writing a lot. <laughs> I guess you got a lot going on writing wise. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. So hopefully this book will be out soon and um, we can talk more about it like in, you know, in depth once I actually have a, a release date. Um, all right. But I look yeah, forward it's, to that. it's just, it's a lot about, um, you know, all of, all the different jobs that I've had. And after each job section, I talk about what I learned, like what I liked and disliked and what I learned. And then you'll see in, in you know, following sections, what skills I took from that job to another job that may mm -hmm. be completely unrelated. Um, like and that. how I made that work and how I then made those skills better and stronger. Um, and how that makes me a more marketable person in a lot of different genres mm. because I've had such a diverse work history and experience that it's easy for me to problem solve things that may be unrelated. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I think it's a good skill for anyone to have, but especially, yeah. you know, people just coming out of college, you've learned a lot of great information in college. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully <laughs> the goal is that it will help you with the career that you want, mm -hmm. but it's always good to learn how to diversify because you learn how to problem solve better that way. Yes. It makes you more marketable. Yeah. I mean, if you're too, if you're too focused on just your one thing and staying in that one, like got your blinders on, um, it's, it's a lot trickier for you to, for you to like apply, apply stuff to different areas. But if you have that open yeah. mindset of, of seeing how things are interrelated, um, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Well, even in one position, like if you want to stay in this one corporation, that's great. But you yeah. know, a lot of people want to climb the corporate ladder. In order to do that, you have to set yourself apart. Yes. You have to learn how to see things from a bigger picture to figure out how you can fit a better role, a higher paying role in that company. And if mm -hmm. you have your blinders on, like you said, you don't see that. Not at all. So you need to learn. You've got it's one of those skills that you need to learn if you want to climb the corporate ladder or if you yep. want to do a multitude of different side hustles like, you know, like you and I and a lot of other people do. A hundred percent, hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. All right. Um, before we wrap up, I got some questions that I like to ask all of my guests that I just want to hop through real quick. Um, first of which is how do you stay motivated? Because I mean, you're doing so many different things. You're writing, it seems, 
books left and right. So how do you how do you stay motivated? How do you stay driven to just keep doing that and keep that work ethic up? Um, part of it is it's probably nature versus nurture. Um, part yeah. of it is nature. I'm a family of of entrepreneurs that um, constantly likes to ask questions. Yep. Um, so that's nature right there. But um, I think nurture for me is that for me, it's not a good day if I haven't learned at least one new thing. Mm, I, I love like that. To learn more than one new thing. But for me, life is about experience. I'm an yes. experiences person. And, you know, I like to share my experiences with other people. And if it helps them in their journey in any way, then I feel like I've been productive. Mm. Um, so I share not only my happy stuff, but I share like if you read some of my stuff on Bigger Pockets, you'll read mistakes that I've made as a real estate investor. Mm. I share mistakes also because then maybe hopefully somebody else won't fall into the same trap I fell into. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, rock on. <laughs> I love that so much. And I'm, I'm trying to embrace this whole, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vee, but his whole documenting um, your experiences and just really like focusing on showing people what you're up to, both the good and the bad um, in order to give them like a, a, a full picture of what's actually going on. So, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very with you on that. Um, because a lot of times any, we don't do oh, that. Um, yeah, not at all. We, we as humans have created this lovely form of communication verbally that other animals don't necessarily have and it's so that we can communicate the good bad and the ugly with other people in our species mm -hmm. so that we can have a higher level of evolution yes we aren't always doing that we're just like Not oh, beautiful sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and parenting's great all the time that's a lie by the way <laughs> if anyone tells you that they're lying to you <laughs> And I mean, that's just like promoted by the whole social media, like facade that people are putting on to, to make everybody like jealous of their lives. So that's a whole nother conversation that we could get into, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, all right. Next question. Do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, whether that be in, in your work, in your writing, really just in general? Um, I work really well in the morning. So mm. this is something we've, I've talked about in a lot of my groups. And even with clients, you have to figure out what your more, most productive time of the day is. Like, yes. when do you feel like you are on? And yes. whenever that is, that's when you need to be on and you aren't talking to anybody else. Like, lock yourself in a room, no phone, no <laughs> social media, because that will distract you. Like, no, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, for me, I like to work early morning, like around three or four in the morning. Wow. Um, that's yeah, very, very because Because nobody's talking to me then yep. at all. Everyone's asleep. <laughs> Even on the West Coast, and I'm on the East Coast, they're asleep. So, um, and I'm just, I'm a morning person. I always have been. Um, I don't work so well at night. My brain starts to shut down like work wise, usually around like 7 p.m., depending on what mm. time I got up. So, don't ask me to write anything at night because it's not happening. It's probably not going to be English. <laughs> um, so, I work really well in the morning, and I found that, um, you know, the other thing for me is that I have to be well hydrated because of just mm. how my body is. Okay. Um, and I have to eat not too long after I first get up. So, hmm. um, if I don't eat anything until lunchtime, I am not going to be nearly as productive. I have more of the foggy brain. I'm yep. kind of grouchy. Um, I could not eat the whole rest of the day. I have to eat breakfast hmm. and everyone is different. And that's the thing, you know, we've been told this whole, you have to eat three meals a day. You should always have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everyone's mm -hmm. different. You know, your yeah. body. So you should know when you need to eat and what yeah. food feels the best i've also found for me i need more protein and less um grains i don't operate as well on on the grains hmm. but, um and that's from a productivity standpoint and just how i feel um, cool. 
So I feel like those are important, important tips. Like just know how you operate. It doesn't matter what anyone else is telling you. Yes. You know how you operate better than anybody else in the world. So, you know, do what's best for you for your productivity. Yeah. And I mean, just having that self-awareness again of like what, what makes your body function best and when you get the most work done and, and just knowing that to begin with, um, it might take a little while to just like sit down and like think and then just be mindful. But, but once you have that, once you know when you're most productive, how, how to feed your body best, like that's going to, it's going to be something that you can use for the rest of your life potentially mm -hmm. to, to really like maximize on, on whatever you want to be doing. Yeah. It's a game changer. Exactly. Exactly. Um, have there been any book or books that have been a real game changer for you or anything that's had a huge impact on you? Again, whether that be like financially, um, holistically, health-wise, really wherever. Um, I have a, a few that I that I really like. Um, okay. So The Millionaire Next Door and The Millionaire Mind. I like those. Um, the Millionaire Mind is more, it, it's kind of, um, uh, it's, it's the uh, the book after the, the Millionaire Next Door. So if you guys have never read that, that's a great book. It kind of mm -hmm. gets you into the mindset of how millionaires think, mm -hmm. which is you know different than what a lot of us think that they think, or a lot of us think. Um, so uh, the millionaire mind is more statistics and more numbers, and I really like math. So mm. I'm a nerd. not everybody will like that book. It's a lot of numbers. It's um, really interesting that you said the millionaire next door because, um, like I said earlier, I'm a part of this bigger pockets um, sort of group that meets yeah. up every every two weeks, I believe. Yeah, every two weeks. And and once we run around and basically just said like what our favorite sort of book was, and there were at least like five people out of our group that said millionaire next door. So I think that's very interesting that yeah. among real estate investors, it's it's kind of a popular book. Well, it's a mindset thing. It's yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then from a food perspective, I really like um, Mendel in the Kitchen. So I actually happen to have it here because it's one of my favorite books. Um, it's fallen out of the cover. Uh, <laughs> it's called Mendel, Mendel in the Kitchen. I really like that one. It's actually talking about, uh, talks a lot about um, genetically modified foods uh, and the history of them and what we think GMOs are and what they really are, which is interesting. Um, so I like the science of that because I'm a science nerd. Um, Fair enough. And there's another one called The Taste of Tomorrow, which is uh, a pretty cool, pretty cool book talking about what they think we'll be eating in 2035 based on where food and food production is heading. Um, so it's pretty mm -hmm. like they're talking about blue lettuce from Afghanistan, like just interesting, weird stuff. And he goes to like, this guy did a lot of research when he did <laughs> this book. Um, I think I'm reading a section right now talking about the um, in vitro. Um, because I'm reading it again. I think it's the in vitro meat uh, meat production facility in the Netherlands, and so they're they're trying to grow uh, meat um, using like solar, and, and it's really interesting. Very so, interesting. Wow, and, that's yeah, that's how it affects the environment and economics and everything else. That's so, wild. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Um, huh. Yeah. So I'm kind of a I'm kind of a science and and finance nerd. <laughs> I mean, sounds like it. I mean, those yeah, books sound like fun. amazing though. So I'm yeah. definitely have to check some of those out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, um, all right. So last thing, last thing I want to hit on is basically just where people can find out more about you and, and what you're up to and really connect with you. Um, so feel free to shout out any, um, social medias or, or blogs or, or wherever that you would like people to, to follow up with you on. Well, um, I mean, my, mine, you can definitely go to, which is adaptive nourishment.com. <laughs> um, so I'm on there and then I have, um, you know, I've got a blog on there. I don't write on the blog as regularly as I did before, just cause I've been so busy working on books. I mean, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, but I do write on some, some other, some other blogs. So you can catch my work. I'm on bigger pockets. Um, so you can find a few of my articles on bigger pockets. Like I said, I need to write another one for them. It's on my list in the next week. It's on my to-do list. Um, Ooh. and, um, I mean, my book will be, this book will be coming out soon, whatever name it's going to be. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, the other book I have out is called Oracle helps with a who. Uh, so if you're a parent, um, it's talking about trying to teach your kids about being open-minded with regards to spirituality. Because um, everything that I try and talk about is about being open-minded. Um, yeah. Everyone's different and that's okay. Um, <laughs> and I'm on Facebook, um, Adaptive Nourishment or Shanna Bell, S-H-A-N-A-H-B-E-L-L. Pick one. I think I'm the only Shanna Bell, at least the only one I've run across. Oh. Um, and I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on... What else? What am I missing? I mean, Twitter. Pinterest. I'm not really on. I'm on Pinterest, but I'm not active on Pinterest. Okay. Um, so I do post stuff on there every now and then, but I'm not. I'm more active on Instagram and Facebook. Cool, cool. Well, I'll be sure to link all those up in the show notes so people can follow up with you and see what you're up to over there. Because I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to follow up with you because it sounds like you have some really cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for, for being on the show again. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to, sure. to come here and, and to tell us about your experiences and, and what you've been up to and, and what your plans are going forward. So, I mean, I know I got a ton of value from this episode and I hope, hope our listeners did as well, because I think this was, I think this was very, I don't know. I just learned a lot from this. So, so I, thank you very much again for your time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on Apple. I appreciate it. And I'm looking yeah. forward to uh, meeting you in person finally at uh, FinCon in a couple weeks. Absolutely. It'll be a blast. I'm, I'm stoked for that. So I'll see you there. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you guys very much for sticking around till the end of the show. I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys got a ton of value from this conversation. It was a ton of fun talking to Shanna. I'm really stoked to meet up with her at FinCon. Um, I'm really, really excited for that. That's coming later this month. I'm sure I'll, I'll have some updates for you guys, both on Instagram at Apple Creator Official um, and, and probably through my YouTube channel as well. We'll, we'll be doing some, some live stuff going on at FinCon. So, so I'm really stoked for that. And all those resources that Shanna mentioned are going to be available at AppleCreator.com slash 018 because this is episode 18 of Young Smart Money. If you guys haven't left a review yet on iTunes for Young Smart Money, I would very much appreciate that. I'm trying to get this show out in front of as many people as possible, provide as much value as possible. So that would be very, very instrumental in that. Also, update, we're going to three episodes a week now, guys, since two wasn't enough. We'd recently bumped to two, um, I'd say about a month ago now, and now we're going to bump to three. We're going to add in social media Sunday. So on Sunday, I'm going to provide you guys with some social media tips, tricks, strategies. Right now, I'm in the process of growing an Instagram account to 100,000 followers, documenting the entire process. So we'll put a couple episodes of that up for Social Media Sunday. But there's going to be a ton of cool stuff coming there. Tons of value. So definitely stick around for that. Be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. If you've got any comments, concerns, um, ideas, future episodes, or future guests to have on, definitely shoot me a DM at Apple Creator Official on Instagram and drop a follow over there as well if you would care to do so. Anyways, guys, my name has been Apple Creator. This was Young Smart Money, and uh, have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday.